Älskar du den här podden? Stötta den genom IKAs nya supporterfunktion. Det är helt upp till dig hur mycket du vill bidra med och det finns ingen bindningstid. Klicka på länken i poddbeskrivningen för att visa din uppskattning och stötta podden. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Varmt välkommen till Epic Lifestyle podden. Det här är podden för dig som vill leva i ditt bästa jag. Sofie Resare heter jag och jag är beteendevetare och holistisk lifestyle coach och driver företaget Epic Living Sweden. Den här veckan så har jag pratat med Jurtam Heineberg som är psykolog och forskare vid Stanford universitetet i USA. Och han är också kopplad till The Center for Compassion and Altruism Research and Education vid Stanford. Och eh, Jotam han, han jobbar med compassion-fokuserad terapi. Han har stor erfarenhet av eh, att arbeta med personer som har eh, stort trauma och mycket aggressioner. Ofta kopplat till eh, gängkriminalitet och eh, även krigszoner. Och det vi pratar om eh, en hel del kring compassion och altruism. Men bland annat så frågar... Vi pratar om att i Sverige så pratar vi om att vi är connectade och att vara grundad. Och, men i USA så är det vanligt att man mer pratar om compassion, alltså medkänsla och självmedkänsla. Jortam, han har ju varit i Sverige ett par gånger och, och även jobbat online med, med personer svenskar. Och han säger att vi har alla förutsättningar för att jobba med, med compassion för vi har mycket av jämlikhet och teamanda och samarbeta så alltså, det finns en enorm entusiasm hos oss svenskar för att utvecklas. Men ibland så saknar vi rätt verktyg och han, han har ju dem så att Jurtam kan hjälpa oss. Eh, de jobbar också mycket med alltså, peer-to-peer, alltså en person hjälper en annan och vice versa att man hjälper varandra i par och eh, då jobbar man med Online, alltså videosamtal och det är strukturerat på ett sätt som de levererar och det är så de jobbar i, i ett av sina program. Och just digitalt så jobbar jag också och jag har ju till exempel då Epic Lifestyle Member som är mitt, det största medlemsprogrammet. Man jobbar under ett helt år då med åtta olika element så gå gärna in och titta på det på epiclivingsviden.com. När du är inne på hemsidan där så skriv gärna upp dig på nyhetsbrevet också Epic Lifestyle News som jag skickar på lördag morgon som en lördagsboost. Och senast idag så fick jag bevis på att 
de här små breven faktiskt gör skillnad hos de som läser dem. Vilket är ju väldigt roligt att höra. Men nu så går vi över och lyssnar på samtalet som jag hade med Jurtan. Och det hade jag faktiskt förra året under hösten. Så det är ett tag sedan. Men budskapet är lika aktuellt för det. Hello Jurtan and how nice to see you. Hello, good to see you as well. I'm so honored that you are uh, here talking to me tonight. <laughs> Thank you. I'm very glad to be doing it. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, you know, I asked my network. Uh, I told them that I uh, would be here tonight talking to you. So I asked them, uh, what, what do you want to ask you, Tom, about compassion and altruism? And uh, they are very clever. And <laughs> so they have... Uh, They have sent me a lot of questions, but we have uh, we have to pick some uh, some of them because um, we we can't do do them all. <laughs> so, um, what do you say? Should we start or no? Perhaps you should do uh, your own presentation. I will do one in Swedish, but please uh, make a presentation about yourself, please. Some some background about yes. me and my work. Yeah. Um... So by, by training, I'm a clinical psychologist. Uh, I came out to California, to Stanford and Palo Alto University in 2005 to get my degree, my doctorate in clinical psychology. Uh, previously, my background was uh, psychology and comparative literature. I was doing a lot of poetry writing and narrative outlook. Narrative psychology has been always been important to me. And my initial scope of focus was the cycle of violence, trauma, and aggression. That was what I focused for my doctoral studies. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Out of that work of looking at trauma and aggression, people involved with gangs, people that have spent time in war zones, we realized that just reducing symptoms, stress, depression, anxiety, Is, is important, but is not sufficient, is not enough. So we started focusing on increasing uh, pro-social tendencies, altruistic tendencies, empathy and compassion. That led me to do my postdoc at the Center for Compassion, Altruism, Research, Education at Stanford. And I continue to do work over there, developing programs that are high scale, that can impact a lot of people in different settings, whether it's burnout, resilience work, in uh, hospitals for nurses, physicians, therapists, uh, first responders, police officers, firefighters. Uh, part of my life has to do with teaching uh, clinical training and compassion-focused therapy to uh, doctoral students who are learning how to be clinical psychologists. And then another part is how to scale up these, these teachings, these perspectives with different online programs like uh, Compassion Skills Training, which we'll probably talk more in depth about in a moment. Yeah, yeah. And you have been here in, uh, in Sweden many times? Yeah, yeah, a few times in Sweden. It's been yeah. great. Yeah, <laughs> get to visit. In the winter as well? The winter as well. 
I would say a little bit of winter. Uh, when was I there? I was there in March, and it was plenty cold. I'm just bringing down the volume on my phone so we don't get interrupted. Yeah, I was there in the beginning of March, and that was plenty cold for me. So I know it can be even colder. And March is like spring for us. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I was in uh, August as well, but that was easy. Yeah, yeah, I know you were in in, in August. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, and, and you work together with uh, Ulf Alexanderson, at, uh, which yes. is the Bright City concept. And uh, yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, looking forward to, um, to see what uh, will happen with everything and what, what, you, yeah. can, what you can okay. make out of it. Yeah, yeah, great. So let's start it. Uh, we have uh, some questions and uh, the first one is, um about altruism and compassion is uh, hopefully like a movement in, in the world but how does society take care of that movement or power and make it to something useful that, that be, can be explained to different structures like companies working teams and individuals and uh, because it's uh, always one what's in it for me <laughs> even though it shouldn't be like that but you know uh, so what do you say about that? Sure, sure. Well, first of all, a couple of words about definitions, because I think different people use different concepts a little yeah. bit uh, in, 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 in varying ways sometimes. So for me, when I talk about compassion, it has to do with the sensitivity to suffering of self and others with a deep commitment and motivation to alleviate, to reduce that suffering. Um, some people relate to compassion as just a tendency and motivation and other people bring more of an action element into it. My mission, my commitment is to create compassion programs that would entail behavioral action. So while compassion and altruistic action are not exactly the same, because you can be altruistic for many different reasons, not just suffering, uh, the way that I work with the compassion programs that we implement is trying to bring in an altruistic dimension of helping, of helping behaviors. So when I implement a compassion program, part of what I hope to see is altruistic action. And other people, when they implement compassion programs, they're okay with just tendency or motivation or inclination. We're very behavioral in our focus. So that's the first comment to make about definitions. Um, with regards to the issue of what's in it for me, uh, I think that it's important to be aligned with realities. So I welcome that question. And if people take our program, I would like them to ask what's in it for me. And I would like them to receive concrete, tangible, personal benefits. And if they don't, then I don't consider the program to be a success for that individual. Uh, what we are finding with our data results, both quantitative and qualitative, that it is successful for people. And the idea of what's in it for me, uh, first of all, personal well-being. So we have improvement on stress, depression, anxiety, happiness, uh, positive capacity for, for leadership. Uh, we're finding a lot of personal benefits for people. The idea is to help people have better life because of being exposed to the compassion model. Um, Remember, when we talk about compassion, we talk about compassion in three directions. So extending to others, which is what people usually think about. But it's also receiving from others, receiving help, and then self-compassion. 
how to have a relationship with yourself that is better supported by way of dealing with your own suffering as well. Um, the other dimension of what's in it for me with regards to companies and organizations is better systematic collaborations in the organization, better teamwork, better productivity. So we are focused on increasing overall work outcomes in organizations and demonstrating that with, with data. So that's a little bit on what, what's in it for me. So there's a lot of personal benefits. There's benefits to the organization. The other outcome is that we end up treating others better as well. So the idea is programs that become community or systemic intervention and, and, and really help to cultivate a community of care. So we're trying to arrive at these outcomes of a win-win for the individual as well as the community around them. Mm. Um, have you noticed... Um I have made a reflection that we in Sweden, we, we, we talk about to get connected, to get grounded, but I, I feel that we don't talk so much about compassion or self-compassion. Have you noticed that difference between the US and Sweden? Yeah, Sweden has been one of the most interesting experiences for me in terms of culture, because it has all of the dimensions of equality, collaborative team spirit people from all walks of life kind of get together and connect with each other and my feeling on the intellectual and on the cognitive level are fully endorsed and enthusiastically endorsed uh, and then the dimension of bringing the emotional piece having more engagement more warmth more sense of uh, emotional caring is not as clearly displayed, but the behavioral and the attitudinal intention is very much there. Mm -hmm. So I experience Sweden as a very exciting place because every time we've done some programs implementing, whether online or in person, we got very enthusiastic responses from people because my feelings, and I want to kind of hear what you think as well, my feelings is that ideologically, there's very much a focus on empathy, compassion, altruism, and there's very much the intention on the philosophical, intellectual, and ideological level. And what's needed is just bringing the right skills and the right prompts and the right structure so that people can connect on the emotional level as well. Mm. Mm. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah. Um, what kind of methods do you think will create more altruism in the society in the long term? Are there any, any companies in the U.S. that works with this uh, more specific? What kind of methods? Yeah. Um, I very much believe in the work that we're doing now, which is quite new. Uh, we have done it with a lot of data collection. We've done it with uh, several thousand people by now. Um, many people are using methods that are focused on meeting in person, in groups, using a lot of meditation. Uh, I think there are benefits to doing it. I also think there are a lot of logistical difficulties and blocks with getting people to physically meet together especially the beautiful Swedish weather, getting people to get out of the house in the cold. Uh, 
Also, the idea of using meditation, which I very much like on the one hand. On the other hand, I feel like it's a block for some people because either they like it or they don't. And I am a big fan of endorsing multiple methods. The method that we're using is flexible, so we can mix it with in-person meeting, we can mix it with meditation, but the focus is really working at a peer-to-peer learning. So we have people uh, engage in what we call experiential discussions. So the idea is that people meet up, they get, they get partnered up. So for instance, if you have 100 leaders, in different organizations, that's 50 diets, that's 50 partnerships. And they read a little bit on their own, they learn a little bit on their own, or in the future, near future, we can have some video teachings as well. But then the really exciting part is that they find time to video chat with each other. And the video chat is a very structured discussion and we put out very clear prompts. For instance, the compassion skills training program that I developed, we have it for leadership, for nurses, for physicians, for therapists. We will soon have it for firefighters and for police. So different focus points. And we offer a great deal of structure responding to specific questions that we know are healing, eliciting, evocative, supportive of resilience, supportive of organizational functioning as well. And it starts out just talking about inspirational leadership, for instance, or people we're inspired by. It builds up to talk about mindfulness and values, how to deal with threat circumstances in life, difficult situations, how to work with kind of threat-based or negative thinking, how to bring more growth mindset, compassionate thinking into default. And then how to engage with extending compassion when other people suffer, for instance, the organization, how to support people in the organization, how to receive help, how to receive support from people in your workplace or in your life, and then how to learn how to extend also by developing emotional intelligence, recognizing what's happening around me for people emotionally, how to deal with people's difficulties. Um, and of course, self-compassion, how to take care of yourself when you're struggling. So that's kind of a really brief overview of the structure and the scaffolding of the program. But really the heart of it is the, the video chat, the experiential discussion that people have together. And the last piece I will say, what we've been doing more of is bringing um, these elements into team meetings, into team huddles. We've done it with the nurses in the hospital settings, the different organizations. So people have an in-depth learning on their own and they have a discussion with their partner and then they bring some brief pearls of wisdom to team meeting and then it begins to kind of trickle throughout the organization. That's really great. Great. And all this, is that uh, during eight weeks? Right, yeah. So we have the Compassion Skills Training Program, which is eight weeks. We also have it four plus four. So we have the first four weeks and then people can take a break and do another four. So we've done it that way too. And it's really great that they get the opportunity to, to bring questions back to the team. Otherwise, it's like only one person doing all right, it. Right, right. Uh, it's not enough. <laughs> How nice. Um, I know that you have, as you told us, been working a lot with uh, violent people and so on. And, um, and I have a question here. How can... Uh, why don't people with a like hard surface realize that they could benefit from 
more empathic approach and how can we as individuals uh, help someone to loosen up and accept compassion from others? I think, you know, at the heart of our model, uh, we, we use a model that's called compassion mind training that was first developed by Professor Paul Gilbert out of the UK. At the heart of the model is really recognizing that our brains are very much oriented towards survival with a better safe than sorry kind of mentality. And a big part of the challenge that we have as human beings is what we call threat orientation. The notion that we have an overly active threat system. And the fundamental quest for all humans is asking this question, how can I be safe? We're all hungry for survival. We're all thirsty for safety and safeness. So it seems like a stretch talking with violent people about compassion, but the first thing I talk about with people that have had trauma and, and, and have been exposed to violence, because it's very rare for somebody to be violent without being exposed to violence themselves early on. So it's this fundamental truth that hurt people hurt people. It's one of the deepest thing I know. That was my, my doctoral project, the cycle of violence, trauma and aggression. So we talk about how life is difficult and life is unsafe. And the practice of developing skills of empathy and compassion is really about responding with effectiveness to our threat system, which is overly active. So the intention is giving people skills towards feeling more safe within their own lives. And once they've done a little bit of that, giving them skills to support other people in feeling safe and then receiving help from other people in feeling safe. So when we talk about communities of care, team building, teamwork, collaborative spirit. Another way of saying it is creating a sense of safeness for individuals and communities. Mm. Have you been in prisons as well and practiced uh, compassion with prisoners? We, we work with prisoners. I haven't implemented the program in a prison system, but we've worked with lots of people that have spent many, many years in prison. So, so yeah, the, the intention, again, is how to help people recognize that when they relate to their own anger, anxiety, threat, suffering, hatred, prejudice, racism, when they relate to all of these threat-based phenomena with a sense of empathy and care and warmth and compassion, when they do it in, in a particular way, in a strategic way that is effective, then the threat system response becomes lower. There's less of a desire to do violence and more of a desire to engage with a sense of care and warmth. I think that unless people are psychopaths, which is very, very rare, or sadistic, which again is very, very rare, less than 1%, Everybody has this desire to feel warm, close, connected, loving, and there are many blocks. In the model, we call it FBRs, fears, blocks, and resistances. There are many fears, understandable fears, about being compassionate or receiving compassion. Uh, for instance, if I let you help me, you might be successful in helping me, and then I'm really going to start trusting you. And then I'm going to have a bigger problem later on. And then you're just going to abandon me like people abandoned me when I was a child. So I best keep you at arm's length and not let you close. 
that is a very uh, understandable fear. It makes sense that I would not trust if I have been hurt before. So we validate these fears, these concerns, and we help people overcome those fears. Fantastic. And if we start uh, with the school, if, because sometimes it happens, uh, as we all know, that uh, kids get bu bullied at school. Um, how can this uh, empathy and compassion training uh, be implemented in school and how can it help? So I think, I think fundamentally what's needed in the school system, in addition to supporting the children, is also supporting the teachers. Uh, we, we do have programs that we can implement for teachers to support the school system as a whole. I think that the problem, let's move away from schools for one moment and just talk about parenting. So we also want to do parenting work. If we have a parent who is uh, stressed out and anxious and angry and overworked, they're not going to be very good attachment figures for their children. We know that some of the best predictors for young children's well-being is the well-being of the parents. Mm. So, so moving on back from parenting to teaching, teachers take on a role of attachment figures and to some extent uh, parenting models in the children's lives, especially when they're younger. So our intention is to support the teachers in feeling more grounded, more stable, more compassionate, more caring, and then they can send off that, that uh, kind of energy towards the students as well. The idea of strength and authority is very central to our compassion model as well because teachers and all people working in stressful circumstances have to really hold their own ground to be able to be supportive of others. One of the core messages that we have in our compassion training, as well as in the other program that we are now piloting with great success, it's Philip Zepardo's program on her heroic engagement, is this notion of equality. And we're very, we're very quick to see other people as dehumanized, less than human, less good than we are because they belong to different groups. That legitimizes violence, that legitimizes bullying. Uh, in our programs, we teach about equality and egalitarian uh, belief systems that all humans are equal. That gets in the way of children bullying other children. We also help people see that if they're doing violence or bullying or anger or aggression, probably has something to do with their own experience. They have received violence or bullying or anger and aggression. And how to respond to that with a sense of care as opposed to just perpetuating these cycles. Mm. Yeah. And um, the world we are living in uh, now, or maybe always, <laughs> um, it's very uh, competitive and uh, sometimes uh, aggressive, uh, depending on how, how you see it. How can uh, I as an individual stay uh, empathic and, and uh, compassionate in, in, in an environment like this? Sure. So, again, if we take this evolutionary perspective, we see that since the beginning of time for our species, the fundamental tension has been between competition and collaboration. So competition has to do with what we use the term, uh, that's Dan's expertise, uh, SDO, which is social dominance orientation. People that are very competitive are more leaning towards authoritarian belief systems, towards the belief that some are better than others. So a class-based categorization, we think some groups of people are above other groups. 
so it's really this notion of social comparison and constantly striving to be above others. And we know this, again, from the beginning of time, evolutionary systems, people are striving to get above others. And there is a hunger for competition. If you think about leadership styles, you think about leadership styles so like the dark triad of leadership, which is narcissistic, antisocial, and Machiavellian tendencies. That is what we think of as a, as a power-oriented, rank-oriented leadership style that creates a lot of competition in systems and ultimately arrives at breakdown of systems. Systems don't function as well. There's not harmony in the system. There's a few hungry individuals that are moving upwards. Uh, and that's the competition model. The collaboration model that we endorse in our compassion training is focused on alliance building, on teamwork. So the way we respond to competition is, first of all, acknowledge it. Recognize that both competition and collaboration have been there since the beginning of time. Neither is going away. So the problem is not competition. The problem is the ratio, that we have too much competition and not enough collaboration. So our intention is to honor the place of competition and then begin to increase alliance building tendencies, collaborative tendencies, which is the compassionate leader. And that we do by teaching compassionate self-identity, which has to do with strength, groundedness, stability, a sense of authority, the ability to withstand pressures, because all leaders need to be able to do that. And then there's wisdom, understanding we have this tricky brain that's very threat-oriented, can quickly get looped into competition, but also the wisdom to recognize that it's really alliance building and collaboration that's going to get us the best results individually and collectively. And then the third piece is commitment, motivation to engage in a co collaborative alliance building kind of fashion. So we very much acknowledge the reality that you're describing. We recognize that the problem is really about ratio, too much competition, not enough collaboration. And then with our compassion training, increasing collaborative alliance building tendencies, which will naturally reduce competition to a more favorable ratio towards individual and collective team functioning. Mm. So, but if I'm alone in a, in a company that is really competitive or in an environment and we don't do your uh, program, um, what I hear you say is if I start with myself, uh, then I can better develop myself and, and be, uh, what, what can I say, uh, stand this situation with, uh, with uh, the other uh, very competitive persons or, uh, and so if on. If you're, yeah, if you're the only person in that company that have that disposition, of course it's harder, there's no doubt. The core teaching has to do with the three directions of compassion. So the invitation is for each individual to make sure that they're keeping safe, that they can care of themselves. So if you're in a company where people are using you every time you help them and they never offer, offer help or it's scary to receive help from them, then the focus should be on self-compassion and self-care, making sure that you're conducting yourself in a way that's aligned with caring for yourself, being respectful of others and being aligned with your values so that you're connected with your own sense of morality and ethics. Mm. We believe that by engaging institutions, by engaging systems, we can obviously have a bigger effect because we have done this 
you know, with, with people in business settings and then with, with business students that are not known for their compassion necessarily, people that go into business school, um, the reason they get on board is they see personal benefits, especially the people that are high in social dominance orientation actually have improvements in stress, depression, anxiety. So the suffering for people that are very competition-oriented is actually diminished when they engage in that way. These individuals usually have lower levels of self-compassion as well. So we increase their self-compassion. So we show them benefits through personal experience. Really great. Uh, oh, fantastic. Um, and you, Tom, when do you come to Sweden next time? That's a great question. It's an open question. We don't know yet. I hope soon. We'll see. <laughs> when we invite you. <laughs> yeah, sure. Happy to come. <laughs> Uh, um, what, what else are you working with right now? Um, um, yeah, right now here in San Francisco, doing a lot of work in uh, hospital systems. So, again, how to engage both individual as well as systems. So, working with nurses, physicians, leadership. Uh, we started to work with some companies and corporations as well here on the compassionate leadership paradigm. Uh, again, how to help systems function better. So the intention is that the personal well-being is always connected with systemic, collaborative uh, team building so that the organization as a whole becomes more productive. Uh, we just launched Philips and Bardo's training for heroic leadership and heroic engagement. And that really has to do with increasing values of diversity and collaboration in the workplace, uh, reducing prejudice, reducing this notion of racism. But it's not just about, I want to emphasize, it's not just about racism. It's also about the notion that some group is better than another group or that we push away others because they are different from us. It doesn't have to be about race. It can be about nationality or, or gender or just different hobbies or preferences or belief systems. Any kind of diversity is we welcome it and we want to help people see that when we see each other's as equal groups, we can function at a higher level together. So then we cultivate this notion of a growth mindset, the belief that I can accomplish more in my life by learning new skills. And, and that kind of feeds into the altruistic tendencies. So we do it through the compassion model. We do it through the heroism model. We're going to launch some more work on uh, forgiveness programs as well soon by Fred Luskin. Uh, so really looking to implement different models that would increase human functioning, human flourishing and well-being. Oh, you're doing a great job. Looking forward Thank to uh, all of this uh, implementing in, in, in the world. <laughs> It'd be, um, Thank uh, you. We'd love to share with you more outcomes as we get them. Yeah. And I will talk to Fred Lusking in, in a couple of weeks. Oh, great, great, great. Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward. And um, oh, I, I'm really happy to have, have this chat with you tonight. And uh, I'm looking forward to see all the uh, results that you will be delivering further on. And <laughs> hopefully to, to meet you in Sweden soon. Yes, that would be lovely. Terrific. Thank you very much for chatting with me. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Blessings. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. Stort tack för att du har lyssnat idag. Om du har en minut över så gå gärna in i podcastenappen och lägg en recension på podden. Det skulle betyda väldigt mycket för mig. Och sen så önskar jag dig en riktigt epic vecka och jag hoppas att vi hörs och syns snart igen. Må så gott!
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.